Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Have you heard about Slate Day? We're putting together a whole full day of live podcasts and fun experiences in New York on June 8th. I'll be there talking to Joel Anderson, the new host of Slow Burn's third season of The Murders of Biggie and Tupac. We'll talk about our work and what's ahead on our shows. This special conversation is free for Slate Plus members and those with all access passes. For more information and tickets, go to slate.com slash live. When I was growing up watching TV, there was a lot of sort of one-note depictions of what it meant to be a black man in America. I think that on the one hand you had, you know, in many ways, the golden age of the black sitcom was the 90s. You had Living Single, you had Martin, you had Fresh Prince. Uh, Fresh Prince. I mean, there was just so much stuff that it was actually pretty incredible. And I think that there were actually a lot of layered portraits and, and character studies of a lot of different types of black people. My background was so different from a lot of those characters that I was watching. Not only were they all much older than me, but, you know, I had a black dad, a white mom. I was living in Tucson, Arizona. And so I think that as much as I liked those shows, I didn't really see myself in those shows, and I certainly didn't see myself. I think that a lot of like the movies and, and culture in the 90s were dedicated to you know young black men in urban areas stricken with violence and, and drugs and gang warfare. I certainly didn't see myself in those, uh, in those depictions a lot of the time. I think it like speaks to something that the most I ever was drawn to a character was a yellow girl with four fingers on the Simpsons, right? Like, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it speaks to something there that that's what I was drawn to as opposed to, say, like Martin Lawrence. Cord Jefferson was always the different one. He was a biracial kid growing up with stepbrothers who were, in his words, full black. And obviously, there weren't a lot of families like his on TV. If he never quite knew where he fit in, it wasn't just because of how he looked, but it's taken him to where he is now writing and editing for diverse TV shows that would have never existed when he was a kid, like Master of None, with stereotype-breaking, fully-realized characters. He just first had to figure out how to navigate a family and a 90s pop culture that expected him to be what he wasn't. I'm Eamon Ismail, and you're listening to Man Up. On this show every week, we tell honest stories about our lives and investigate where we get our ideas about what it means to be a man. Growing up in New Jersey... I woke up early on Sundays just to watch my favorite cartoons, like Animaniacs, Pokemon, and Invader Zim. And Animaniacs and Invader Zim were both about freaks trying to conquer the Earth. Those are the characters I remember relating to the most, these alien freaks. Hey, there weren't a lot of Muslim kids on TV back then. And Cord, he's a few years older than me. He was growing up across the country in Tucson, Arizona. When I was growing up, the black population of Tucson was 2%, maybe lower than that. You know, not the epicenter of black culture, as you can probably imagine. <laughs> the surroundings were not ideal for someone who was already having trouble finding his place at home. My dad's black. My mom's white. Um, both of my brothers are from my dad's first marriage. So I look different from them. And, you know, growing up, I just always knew that I was like slightly, slightly different from all of them. I think that made me partially who I am today. I watched the 
a ton of TV. I was sort of a Simpsons obsessive from the time that it first started airing. And I sort of fell in love with all the characters, but I sort of, I really saw myself in Lisa, or maybe sort of I had ambition to be more like Lisa, maybe is a better way of putting it. Are you going to marry a carrot, Lisa? Yes, I'm going to marry a carrot. I think that she was very principled, sort of very committed to her ideals in the face of a lot of pushback, not just from the outside world, but also from her own family um, and even her own father a lot of the time. So I think that I sort of feeling like a bit of an outsider when I was growing up and feeling like a bit of a weirdo really saw myself in that character in many ways. I totally get that. Aliens, remember? Sometimes being the odd one out is more relatable than actually looking like the character on TV. Because I didn't fully understand black culture, I think that I tried to compensate by leaning heavily into, you know, dressing quote-unquote black. Or, or So I was like... I was like ordering a lot of fat farm and like wearing a lot of like hoodies and like sagging my pants and like it felt like I needed to be sort of like be very outwardly black so that I could feel inwardly black also. That's interesting. It almost feels as though because you were an outsider uh, based on the way that you looked and maybe the way that you behaved, it freed you up to find different ideas about masculinity really early on. Yeah, possibly. I think that it's difficult to sort of trail backwards in our life and figure out why we are the way we are. I think that uh, if if you spoke to my family and friends uh, currently, I think that a lot of them would tell you that I, I'm very curious, I'm very inquisitive, um, and I think that looking up to somebody like Lisa Simpson when I was a kid is maybe part of that. I think that, uh, you know, an ability and and a desire to be yourself and to and to live up to your own ideals and to and to figure out what uh, works for you is uh, is something that I walked away from it with. And a lot of what he was trying to push back on was the expectations of his dad, who had strong ideas about who Cord should be. I was like the only seven year old in the theater for Do the Right Thing when it came out in Tucson, Arizona. My family was like the only we were like the only people in there, but my parents always made sure to like take me to opening day of like Spike Lee movies and stuff. But I think that for me, like I never really totally understood black culture though because I wasn't really surrounded by it. My dad used to joke and say like, I'm gonna send you away to, cause my parents were from Ohio. So he would, he would joke a lot of the time and say like, I'm gonna send you back to Cleveland so you can learn how to be black. Because you <laughs> Go to black camp. To black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically, that's it. And he, he was only, I think he was only kind of joking. Court's father wanted him to see himself as a certain kind of black man. Someone who can take care of himself, chest out, and the same way he needed to as a young man in Cleveland. He was also concerned with implanting Cord with old school principles, which can be a bit complicated for a kid who already saw himself as different than everyone else around him. My dad is a conservative in many ways. He's a Republican. He's always been a Republican. And so his uh, belief system about gender dynamics and gender roles and his beliefs about what it meant to be a man, and by that I mean sort of um, strength, uh, uh, violence, um, aggression, uh, anger and rage, sort of all of the lessons that I took from him about masculinity just always felt off to me. They never felt like uh, what it actually meant to be a man. That wasn't Cord's story, though. So years later, he started writing his own. 
First, it was in journalism. But then, a few years ago, Cord started seeing himself as more of a TV writer and moved to LA, where he's been very successful writing for shows like Master of None and The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. He's currently story editing for this comedy called The Good Place on NBC. It's about these four unlikely friends who meet in limbo after dying, just trying to figure out how to be good. My favorite character is easily Chidi Anagonye. He's this studious and charming guy only held back by his problems with anxiety. Getting close here, just mulling the ethical ramifications of various soups. Ah, uh, same old Chidi. I can come back for a fifth time. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's smart. Come <laughs> on, let me think about that. No! No, no more thinking, Chidi. Just do something. Indecision caused you so much agony in your life. That is one of the things that drew me to the show before I'd ever worked on it, was just looking at this guy who actually I saw so much of myself in him. I have such a difficult time making important decisions. I mean, I have a difficult time making unimportant decisions, too. I'm, I, have a, I have a hard time ordering dinner sometimes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like... But seeing somebody who feels that anxiety so acutely is something that, um, like you, I hadn't really seen before. And it feels, um, it feels great to be able to write for that character because I do see so much of myself in him. I think my goal is just to always try and push past what everybody expects from um, characters of color. That's all. I think that because of a lot of recent history when it comes to what has been acceptable um, black art. I think that we've come to accept this sort of stereotypical black masculine character um, in our film and television. So I would say that if I'm just listing off some qualities that people expect, it's aggression, it's uh, sort of a brooding strength, it's um, maybe uh, a violence, it's, it's a very sort of like one-note character. It's like often a a black man from Los Angeles or New York or the South or Atlanta. Um, It's just, it's it's this sort of very one-note. Short temper. Exactly. Or the opposite, like a very sort of like um, important judge or or a very like uh, a good cop who's just like I'm thinking like Danny Glover in um, in Lethal Weapon. Like I'm too old for this shit, but he's also he's like a great family man too. Like it's it's never sort of something in the middle of those two poles. Uh, and so for me, it, I think that if I have a goal, it's to try to broaden our understanding of what it means to be a man of color and and, and, a, and a black man, particularly in America. I think that that's one of the reasons that I love the Chidi character so much. Is I think that Chidi is he's not what people have come to expect from black male characters on American television. You know, he's a, he's a black man, but he's also a philosophy PhD. He's also, like I said, stricken with anxiety and terrified a lot of the time. Um, but he's also strong and he's also capable and smart, but he's layered. He's nuanced, just like every human being is nuanced. I think that America still has a difficult time accepting that black men and black women are just human beings. And so, uh, when I sit down to write for black people on TV, I sit down to try and write people that feel real and authentic to me and, and feel like they are human beings. The thing that I, I really love to see in black art is black art that just shows black people living their lives and doesn't focus on like white racism as a barrier to overcome. This is pretty much what Cord always wanted when he was growing up a black character that isn't trying to be any kind of way to fulfill any kind of type. 
What makes Chidi special to Cord is that he exists as a black character, not because of anything having to do with his behavior. Chidi's just black. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Cord's personal path to becoming a different kind of man than his dad envisioned hasn't been smooth. Not many of ours have been. I'm, I'm still kind of struggling with that, to be honest, in my personal life, where I wasn't exposed to, to that wide of a spectrum of different kinds of uh, Americans with Arab heritage, where I felt like I needed to emulate what was happening in my house to be an actual Arab-American man. Uh, so, for example, my mom would get pissed if we'd finish having dinner together and I would start cleaning. She'd be like, no, 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 that's, that's your sister's job or that's my job. And that's something that I carried for, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just easier not to. So I was like, okay, no problem, whatever, I'll go watch TV. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. And now that I'm like married to a very overall just dope, but I'm going to just say like very strong-willed Arab woman, I'm trying to unlearn that, you know, because she's not going to tolerate that. I'm trying to be that that husband that's going to get up and and clean because she cooked just because that's the baseline. That's the bare minimum, you know, Uh, and that's something Mm -hmm. that I'm struggling with today. I'm still trying to unlearn what I was conditioned to see as normal when I was growing up. Uh, Can you relate to that? Is there anything you're trying to unlearn right now? Yeah, I think that I'm trying to unlearn a lot of like sort of the toxic masculinity that I think I learned growing up. And I think that not, uh, you know, part of it was my dad, but I think part of it was just. Um, culture in general. I think that I learned a lot of bad ideas and, and regressive ideas about what it actually means to be a man and, and how you're supposed to interact with women. That shit is hard to shake off once it's been implanted in your brain. Um, I was dating this woman one time who um, we were out to dinner with one of her friends and her friend and her one time had uh, some matching necklaces made. And I had never seen this woman wear this necklace and it was revealed that at dinner that the reason that she didn't have this necklace is because she had left it at uh, a guy's house one night that she had been um, sleeping with and she couldn't get the necklace back because she had forgotten the guy's name she knew his first name but she didn't know his last name so she couldn't find him online I was a real asshole monster, and I sort of got really mad at her later that night after dinner because there was something inside of me that said, like, women shouldn't be, like, having sex with people whose names they don't know. And, like, yeah, it's, like, I can laugh about it now. It's so stupid, and I feel like such an idiot telling that story um, as I should. But I think that that those are the kinds of things that I had learned over the years, that like women's sexuality is much more fragile than men's sexuality and women's desire to have sex is like should be 
tamped down and that that if a woman has too much sex, then that sort of somehow takes away or erodes her femininity in a way. And that like, I I think that she had every right to say, fuck you and, and, and like, go fuck yourself and I'm out. And she would have been in the right to do that. But she didn't do that. And she um, she just talked with me. She said something along the lines of like, this is like toxic masculinity and misogyny doesn't just impact women. It also impacts men. And like you are, you're proving that right now. Like you have been deeply affected by misogyny and you've been deeply affected by this idea that like uh, women who have sex are bad women and that like you, it makes you feel like less of a man to be sleeping with a bad woman and that you need to sort of really check what's going on within your own, within your own heart and your own mind to think that like you are less of a man um, now because you've chosen to like have sex with a bad woman. And it was right on point and it was something that I had never heard before. And it was like a deeply important lesson for me to get. So there's like a million examples of this, but uh, that story just feels so familiar. And one show that pops into my mind when I was thinking about that was uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where he had like this faithful girlfriend character that was the good, wholesome girl who was very loyal. But then he had other girls who who were portrayed as, you know, looser and and more sexual. And he was always being drawn to those, but that was like his weakness, right? That was his weakness as mm-hmm. a character. So baby, why don't you stenog your number down for me, you know? <laughs> mm, girl, you look so good. I wish I could plant you and grow a whole field of y'all. Well, would you approach the bench, please? Yeah, just a second, Uncle Phil. Good Get your butt over here. I would say, though, that in my own personal writing, I struggle against that stuff a lot of the time. I, I always try to ensure that my f- female characters are fully realized human beings, that I'm not shying toward my own personal biases of what it means to be a good woman or a, or a righteous woman, that I'm not um, skewing toward the kind of woman that I think a woman should be, but in fact what a woman actually is, that I'm skewing toward like an actual uh, nuanced portrayal of what women are as opposed to what I think they should be. I think that the first step is understanding that we are all sort of like full of some biases and that we are all full of like the sort of toxic lessons we've learned, um, not just from our family members, but also just from sort of, like I said, like the things that you just by osmosis get into your brain by being raised in the culture. I think that um, you know, I, I listened to a lot of rap music growing up. I still listen to a lot of rap music, and my mom hated it. My mom hated me listening to rap when I was a kid. She, I had to hide my rap CDs from my parents. Uh, not my, not really my dad. My dad didn't really care, but my mom did. And I think that like there is something to not wanting your teenage son to like hear people talking about bitches and hoes. Like those words were used a lot in the music that I was listening to growing up, and I'm sure that by osmosis, some of that. Uh, found its way into my brain and has shaped sort of shapes the conversations that I'm having decades later with a woman who's, who says that like when I'm getting angry at a woman for having like a, a healthy active sex life, like you can draw a line between those two things in some way. Um, now, for just everybody who sits down to write anything uh, or any artist at all, I think needs to understand their biases. And I sort of understand that I have 
biases when it comes to women and that I, that I learned over the years. And I have biases about what it means to be a man and like what it means to be a strong, good man. And I need to, A, acknowledge those and then B, work to counteract those when I sit down to write. And so I think that one of the keys to a good TV show is surrounding yourself with diverse voices. And so I've worked on a lot of really, really great shows. And I think that it's no surprise that those shows have often, uh, I think, not even just often, always been populated by women and people of color. Unfortunately, a lot of writers' rooms still are composed of of mostly uh, white men. And I think that that's why a lot of the stuff that... Hollywood creates I won't I won't name names but I think is is bad and is still sort of has a lot of blind spots when it comes to stories about women and people of color it's not it's because they're not consulting actual women and people of color before they write these stories this felt important for me to hear I don't always confront my own biases until it's too late I'd have already made some kind of assumption about the way things ought to be in my relationships at home or with like projects like this one I'm really impressed with how Cord was able to acknowledge his shortcomings And for him, that was the first step in learning from it and to make himself a better man. I was wondering one other thing, though. Is it possible that Cord's dad learned anything from him? So I wanted to know uh, whether or not you've experienced your dad watching any of your shows. Has he responded to anything that you've worked on? Um, Yeah, he I mean, my dad's 77 now. He's almost 80. So so the good place and stuff like these like sort of like fast paced comedies with a lot of modern references go over his head a little bit but he he supports my work he watches everything that i do and you know i think that he uh he likes it um we butted heads for for many many years and i think that uh he was just in town actually for his birthday and we spent a lot of time together and i think we've both sort of reached an armistice i i think that (laughs) he he understands that that I am different from him. He understands that my value system is different from his value system, um, and I think over the years he has like learned to uh, be a little less rigid and a little bit more open to new ideas than he was when I was younger. I think that when I was younger it was very much kind of his way or the highway, and I think that in his in his older age he's softened a little bit, which is good. I think that so I I wouldn't say that he's like he's watching master of none and like really walking away with with a lot of like lessons learned but i do think that he is watching the work i know that and i think that he is sort of open to my my liberal ways more (laughs) so than he used to be yeah snowflake (laughs) and that's our show remember to rate us on apple podcasts or wherever you're listening not only do we appreciate it but it also helps new people find the show so support the kid and leave a comment Also, don't forget to leave us a voicemail by calling 805-626-8707. That's 805-MAN-UP-07. Or send one to manupatslate.com, and we might feature it on the show. Thanks for listening. Man Up is hosted and written by me, Eamon Ismail. Our producers are Cameron Drews and Danielle Hewitt. Our executive producers are Jeffrey Bloomer and Lowen Liu. Gabriel Roth is the editorial director of Slate Podcasts. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts. And TJ Raphael is the senior producer of the Slate Podcast Network. We'll be back next week with more Man Up. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.